Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Carving the Divine TV. My name is Yujiro Seki. I'm a writer, director, and a producer of the uh, documentary Carving the Divine. Carving the Divine is about the Buddhist statues and the people who make those statues. It's 1,400 years of Japanese tradition, and I'm ready to present it for the first time in the world. Before I do so, but I thought it would be a great idea to uh, present information about the Buddhism and the history of the Buddhism so that when you guys finally watch my documentary, you guys can watch it at the maximum value. So today, we're going to transition to uh, Japan. And uh, uh, our lecturer, uh, Michael, uh, his expertise is Japan. And I'm very excited because He's been like informing us such a uh, great information so far, but he can do even better job doing uh, talking about Japan. It's uh, uh, really unbelievable. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Michael Jordan Van Hartenveld. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for having me back, Yujiro. It's really nice to be here. Awesome, awesome. So uh, today, I want to talk about uh, Shintoism. Uh, why we are talking about Shintoism? I thought it's uh, about the uh, Buddhism. But in order for us to talk about Japan, I believe it is uh, very important to talk about the Buddhism even uh, before we begin with anything. So uh, tell us about the Shinto. Is Shinto religion or is Shinto something else? Or like a, it's a, like a close to Western religion? Or? Uh, we don't know anything about it. So tell us about the uh, Shinto, Michael. Okay, so I'm going to start off and say that Shinto in its earliest days was most likely more a relationship with nature versus a religion. Um, I say that because during the Jomon, during the Yayoi, and during the Yamato periods... Wait, 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 Michael. What are they? Oh, what, what, when, what are those periods? Yes, 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 yes. Oh. we don't know anything about it, so. Um, so there are periods of time, um, and so the Jomon is one period that is typified by a certain kind of ceramic, um, corded ceramics, where you would see loops of clay. Um, and then you would have the uh, Yayoi period. The Yayoi period is a period of time where you started to see a lot of agrarian work starting to be happening. So um, the growing of rice, the uh, a lot more tilling of the ground and growing crops. And the Yamato period includes the Asuka period. And the Asuka period is the period in which Buddhism came into Japan. So it pretty much like a, basically it's a prehistoric time. Or even exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to say it. Okay. So um, during those periods, the early Japanese people, they started forging and creating this relationship with nature. They depended heavily on nature to produce the food that they needed to survive. And they realized that doing good things to nature resulted in good things. Doing bad things to nature resulted in bad things. And so they started to enforce a respectful treatment of nature. And out of that, they began to treasure nature and they began to affiliate nature with beings. They saw in the greatest trees, they saw in the greatest waterfalls, they saw in the greatest rocks, representations of humanity. 
and those attributes of humanity they called kami. And eventually those representations of human emotion became much more supernatural and they became these large deities that we nowadays know as kami, as gods, as those who were there before humans and will persist beyond the death of all humans. Now, two of the most famous kami are Amaterasu and Susano no Mikoto. It's really hard to say the names. Um, they are a brother and sister. Um, Amaterasu is goddess of the sun, and Susano no Mikoto is the god of the storms. Now, these two, they had a really sort of a rocky sibling rivalry. Uh, in the heavens, in the place where the kami lived before descending down to the earth, Susano no Mikoto was kind of, you'd say, a mischievous child, and he picked on his sister a lot. It was actually quite malevolent, the things that he would do. In one instance, he took a dead animal and he threw it onto the seamstresses that did work in the workshop of Amaterasu. Now, Amaterasu, she finally saw this as the final straw. She was like, no, I can't do it anymore. And so she fled into a cave. Now, when the goddess of the sun flees into the cave, where does the sun go? It disappears. And we can't really live without the sun. Humans can't live without the sun. Kami cannot live without the sun. And so the kami that did live in the heavens there, they wanted to urge Amaterasu to come out. They tried pleading with her. They tried begging her. They tried to apologize. They tried to do everything they could. They wanted to coax her out. They even tried to bribe her to come out, offering her gifts and everything. Nothing would work. Until finally, they came up with this really, really brilliant idea. In a tree, they hung a mirror surrounded by these jewels. Um, they're comma-shaped jewels. We call them magatama. And they hung it up in a tree there. Then they had the idea that, oh, why don't we have, why don't we act like we don't miss her? Why don't we act like everything is going fine without her? And so they did. And one of the goddesses there, she started a sort of like bodri, um, body sort of strip dance. She started taking off her top and uh, everybody who had been drinking a sort of alcoholic beverage, they started laughing and cheering and guffawing about what they were watching, this body show. And well, Amaterasu was like, oh, they don't miss me anymore. Oh, they must have forgotten about me. And so she sticks her head out the cave and she sees in the mirror that they hung from the tree, the reflection of her light. And she thinks, oh, they replaced me. I have to go out there and confront them. And so she steps out of the cave, out into the sun, out, well, not out into the sun because she is the sun, but she steps out into the clearing where they are all having a party and they say, oh, great, now. And what happens is they drop a shimenawa, which is the twisted ropes that you see at Shinto holy sites. They dropped a rope around, across the mouth of the cave as she came out, so she couldn't go back in. And there were apologies made. Peace was finally made between Sosano no Mikoto and Amaterasu decided to stay out of the cave once again, and once again became affiliated with the sun. Now, Susano no Mikoto, he went on a few quests of his own. And on one of his journeys, he went out and he slew a dragon. 
and in the tail of the dragon, he discovered a sword. And he gifted the sword to Amaterasu. Now, because of the affiliation of the Magatama of the jewels, of the sword, and of the mirror with Amaterasu and Susanoo no Mikoto, they have since become symbols of the imperial family in Japan. Now, speaking more about that Japanese mythology, the kami became sort of politicized to justify the Yamato clan, Yamato clan's claim to the throne. You see, there was a whole idea, this whole, all these clans vying for the imperial leadership of the country of Japan at those times. And the Yamato clan, they sponsored the authorship of a document known as the Kojiki. And in the Kojiki, and later on in the Nihon Shoki, they wrote that the Yamato clan themselves were descendants of Amaterasu. And because of Amaterasu, the Yamato clan, Yamato clan had the highest claim to the imperial throne. And so that's why they claimed the mirror, the sword, the jewels as their imperial symbols, and then took the throne themselves to lead Japan into um, new periods of, uh, of um, prosperity and of success. Great. So the current uh, imperial family in Japan, they were claimed to be a descendant of a Yamato clan. That's what you mean? Well. Um, something like that. Um, you would start to see that people would start arguing about that. But the current idea is that, yes, um, the imperial family can trace their lineage directly back to Amaterasu. Great. That was like a such a big history lesson here. So I'm very excited to hear uh, more about the, uh, when you talk about Japan. So this is very exciting. Great, great. So uh, in the one sentence, please tell us what is uh, Shinto again. So okay, so just to revisit it, um, Shinto is a religion, but it's not. And I'm gonna simplify that. So Shinto is a relationship with nature that does not have a founder, that does not have dogma, it's just an understanding. It's just a close, close relationship with nature that has in current days continued to be a very close relationship with the nature as well. Great, awesome. I can't wait to hear that how this Shinto uh, relates with the Buddhism in Japan. So awesome, awesome. So uh, Michael, please tell us uh, what's going on in your world and uh, what kind of like uh, activities you do uh, nowadays so that I can, we can like uh, follow you. Um, so right now I am looking forward to my lecture at the Terasaki Nibe Foundation on May 1st. I'll be talking about rare and strange Buddhist sculptures in Japan. And I'm also working on a handbook of Buddhist art at LACMA. Awesome. Great. So uh, if you guys think this information is useful, make, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and like me on my Facebook, that, because that's how we do it in the 21st century. Yes, it is, sir. Awesome. So see you next week, Michael. Take care.